Just a quick, did you catch those words, reminder, um, our call to war and to love the captive soul. That's what God has called us to do, to love the souls that are still in captive and in bondage to sin. He wants us to live in a way that will communicate the love and the mercy and the great grace of our God who loved, him, loved them and gave himself for them. It goes on to say, and with the sword that makes the wounded whole. You know, we live in a hurting world. We live in a world that is just full of sorrow, full of grief, full of hurt, full of pain. And we have the words that bring that comfort. And so we want to make sure that we are individuals who are communicating that great comfort to our wonderful God and and our great Savior in heaven above. Um, Come see the cross. It's a continuous reminder to us of what it is that brings people into a right relationship with the one true God. I do need to um, let you know that there's going to be one person, or actually a a family, that is going to greatly miss our bonfire tonight. Um, Little Ollie had a great time at our last bonfire, the Goodno family. Uh, They are actually on a bit of a vacation. They're in Akron camping together as a family. Uh, So Brandon wanted to let me know that they will not be joining us this evening or for it all today. Uh, So pray for them as they're uh, away from us, that they would have a great time and be refreshed uh, and enjoy the opportunity they have to get away as a family. Uh, One other thing, though, about the bonfire tonight, um, if you want to see the Sears family... They're going to be at the bonfire. They're going to be, uh, they're, they're with uh, Lindsay this morning, uh, but they did tell me, Jill told me when I saw her, bumped into her and Cindy at Aldi, and they said, uh, we're going to plan on being at the bonfire, so you'll have an opportunity to catch up with them, what God's doing in their lives uh, as they're here from Ohio for the Memorial Day weekend. So uh, if you need another incentive, maybe that's it to get you out to join us tonight at the bonfire. All right, take your copy of the scriptures, if you will. We're going back to 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, and you say, Pastor, you're not preaching a Memorial Day service. Well, no, not specifically Memorial Day. But in a sense, uh, the theme that we've been talking about last week and will continue on this morning is indeed really a Memorial Day theme. And the title of our message again this morning, as we finish off what we started last week, is A Call to Humility. A call to humility. You and I, we must be humble as individuals who represent Christ. And you know what? Those men and women who laid down their lives, those men and women that we are honoring this weekend as we, as we celebrate Memorial Day, they were humble. They were humble individuals because they willingly laid down all that they could, the best that they could, so that we would be able to continue to enjoy the best that God has for us. So as we think about those men and women who valiantly went into battle and and paid the ultimate sacrifice, uh, they showed the true humility that is required of, uh, of servants. And you and I as Christians have every reason, in fact, have the most reason to be humble individuals. As I said last week, we started this sermon, and this morning we're going to finish what we started. We only got through the first point. 
And I kind of knew that that was, might happen uh, as I was preparing the message because we did spend some time last week reviewing all of the book of 1 Peter. And I wasn't really concerned about going overtime because I thought I might stop in between. But anyway, as we continue this morning, we want to remind ourselves that Peter is writing to individuals who know the Lord as their personal Savior. He's giving them, as he rounds off this book, completes this book, he's giving them the things that he wants them to read remember for a long period of time. Yes, the whole book is important, but you know, those final words that somebody says, they're often that which they want to linger in your thoughts and linger in your mind and and help you move forward in your everyday life. So Peter gives a command here. He calls us to be individuals who are humble. And you might ask yourself, why is that so important? Well, if we are to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, if we are to be the people that God wants us to be in service to him, we have to be humble people. We have to be people who, we talked about it last week, who have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, or he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he is God, but he humbled himself to the point of death. And and Jesus willingly took upon that humility and demonstrated it and modeled it for us. And you know what? Nobody modeled it better than our Savior Jesus Christ. And so as Peter calls us to humility, he reminds us that you and I, we must be individuals who are looking out for the well-being and for that which is best for others. The need to humility is the need that propels the body of Christ. Remember that, that Paul said, if you are humble in the body of Christ, you know what that presents or you know what that prospers in the body of Christ? Christ likeness and unity. Unity can't exist unless there's humility in the body of Christ. And so he says, as we humble ourselves, as we look out for one another, if we look out for the best interests of each other, that will foster unity in the body of Christ. We need to nurture that by making humility a daily part of our lives. And by so doing, we will have that lifestyle that follows the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we get started this morning, I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read our text again. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Again, only three verses in the text this morning, but it's important for us to get a glimpse of what God uh, is speaking to us through the pen of the Apostle Peter. Peter writes this, read it with me if you will. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let's go ahead and ask God to bless our time together in his word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning, thanking you for the privilege of communicating with you through prayer. 
Father, we know that it is prayer that unites us with you in our spirit and in our mind. We know that it is prayer that moves your hand. It is prayer that brings comfort. It is, it is prayer that helps us grow in our relationship with one another and in our relationship with you. And as we pray, Father, we, we move our attention to the word of God and we ask that you would allow us to learn from the pages of scripture this morning. Uh, these words that uh, we are looking at this morning are a great reminder to us of... Uh, of humility and how Jesus was humble and how you've called us also to be humble in our spirit and in our demeanor and even in the way we we live our lives. So Father, we ask your continued blessing upon us as we examine your word today. Help us to learn what you need us to learn today from the pages of scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So this morning I'm going to ask you, if you will, to channel your inner three-year-old. Can you all remember what you were like when you were three years old? Probably the most used word in your vocabulary as a three-year-old was what? I heard it. Why? Why? Um, as we have a, a couple of, what, we have a four-year-old and a three-year-old, we hear that a lot. Grandchildren, by the way. Um, we hear that a lot. Why? Why, Grandpa? Why, Grandma? Why, Josiah, do that? Why you do that, Grandpa? Well, we have to give them a reason. Peter has communicated something very important to his readers, and he says to them, I want you to be humble. So as a three-year-old, what would your question be? Why, Peter? Why do you want me to be humble? Why be me humble, Peter? I don't understand. We, as humans, fight against that idea of humility, don't we? So Peter knew that that would be a logical question from the minds of his reader, so he doesn't even give them an opportunity to ask the question. He simply goes straight forward into the reason. And we're going to find that reason in the second part of verse 5 of our text this morning, where Peter says, for... In other words, that, here's the answer to the reason why we are humble. Because you're asking, Peter says, you must be humble because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, I'm a big sports fan. You all know that, right? And I used to in high school and in college and even after we got married. In fact, on our honeymoon, we watched the Chicago Bulls playoff series um, when Michael Jordan was playing because he was a great player. But, you know, I don't, I don't even turn the TV on to watch NBA basketball anymore. In fact, when, I, when something pops up on my newsfeed and Facebook that has, or in my notifications, the sports center pops up and it says there's something about the NBA, I, I I quickly click on it so it clears it from my notice notifications, but I don't stay on that page for more than a second. I want nothing to do with the NBA anymore. You know why? Because they're nothing but a bunch of braggarts. I'm this, and it's about me, and this and that, and on and on and on, and I can't take it. I just turn, I don't watch it. I don't listen to it. I don't want anything to do with it. And they, they've ruined the game of basketball, but that's besides the point. But there's nothing humble about NBA basketball anymore. And it's sad. But that's a reflection of our communities, of our, of our culture today. You know, it's, always about, it's all about trash talking. It's all about I'm this and I'm that. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be humble. 
God wants us. Why? Why should we be humble? Well, it's very clear here. God opposes the proud. God resists the proud. This word resist or opposes can suggest many different things from disapproval to an in-your-face confrontation. Just what does it mean when Peter says that God opposes the proud? Well, here's the definition of that word resist or oppose. It means to set an army in array against it. It means to arrange itself in battle order to defeat it. Wow. What is that telling us? God wants nothing to do with a boastful, proudful spirit. So what Peter is saying here is that God himself is in opposition to the proud. He's against the proud. So in a quote from the book of Proverbs where Solomon writes this, Peter is bringing this truth home to his readers. He says, surely he, that's God, scorns the scornful. That's proud people. He scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to those who are humble. God scorns them. God's against them. God wants nothing to do with them who are proudful. You know what a, a, a characteristic of a proud individual is? They are often foolish. And you know what a fool is? A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, a proud person has replaced himself in the, the magnitude of himself in the place of God. God resists the proud, but gives grace to those who are humble. Here's the other side of that coin, if you will. Not only does God oppose or resist the proud person, but the proud person sets himself against God and is in opposition to God. No wonder God resists the proud because they are in opposition to him. So uh, God opposes the proud, God also makes the humble the objects of grace. You see, if one is humble or adopts the mindset of Jesus, then God favors that individual. God lavishes his grace upon them. And you know, grace is getting something that we do not deserve. God pours that grace out on those who follow him, favor him, seek his will, seek his desire, live as though they are striving to please the one who has saved them. God favors that individual. Solomon talked much about pride and humility. In Proverbs chapter 29, he wrote this, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain favor. The wisest man who ever lived wrote those words. Let me tell them to you again. One's pride will bring him low. That, we see that often in everyday life, don't we? Those who think they are great, those who think they are wonderful, those that think they are God's gift to whatever, they're often humbled by an event or an action in their own lives. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit, he who is humble, will obtain honor. The prophet Isaiah put it this way, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up. Now, there is one who is allowed to be high and lifted up. You know who that is? If you looked at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, you will read there where Isaiah has his vision of God in his temple. He was high and lifted up, and his train 
filled the temple. There is one who is high and lifted up. Only one, though. And that is our great God. And this is what the great God, the one who is high and lifted up, has to say about those who are proud. One who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the heart of the contrite. What is God looking for? What is the high and holy one looking for? He's looking for someone who is lowly in spirit, one who is contrite in spirit, one who understands his place in relationship to the high and holy one. That's who the one true God is looking for. So rather than be opposed by the Lord, if you and I humble ourselves, we can expect that God will dwell with us and pour out his blessing upon us. Now, I'm not sure that there's any greater reason to know that God will choose us as his dwelling place to make us humble. God wants to dwell with us if we are willing to humble ourselves before Almighty God. Now, please understand that being humble doesn't mean that you, um, you have a poor image of who you are. It means you have a right image of who you are. We are not trash, so to speak. We are God's creation. We are the people God has chosen to dwell with. He will dwell in us and dwell, allow us to, to represent him as his dwelling place when we have the right understanding of who we are. We are significant in God's eyes. In fact, so significant that he did what? He sent his son to die in our place so that we would understand who we are, what our need is, and be able to live with him for all of eternity. I remember reading or seeing a bumper sticker or some kind of slogan, I guess we call them memes now. God don't make junk. He made you and I. And you know how he made us? He made us in his image. We are the image bearers of God. And here's just in light of where we live today in the world in which we live Unless people can come to terms with that fact that we are image bearers of God and that we have a respect for life, we're going to continue to have these issues in our world. People kill people because they have no respect for the image of God in whom God, cre- God created us in his own image. You know, we talk about the death penalty. Oh, that's very inhumane. That's, that's ungodly. No, it's not. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 says that we were created in the image of God. And whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. This is not a call for vengeance. It's not not a call for violence. It's a call for helping people to understand we are made in the image of God. We bear the image of God. Yes, we've been marred by sin, but that image of God has never been removed from mankind. We have the image of God stamped on us. We need to communicate that. We need to live as though that is true. And yes, that starts with our view on life. But not just life in the womb. Life in general. We must have a high regard for life. 
And if we have that high regard for life, we are going to do what God asks us to do to care for the lives of others. And so we need to shine that light in the world in which we live. Image bearers of the one true God. Therefore, the sanctity of life we hold dear to us. And we preach it and we teach it and we live it out. The reason, why do we live humble lives? Well, because God opposes the proud and he has made you and I as followers of Christ the objects of his grace. What does that result in? Well, in verse six, we see the result. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Peter restates the blessing of God for those who choose to be humble. Our English translators have made this out to be more of a command or a call to action. However, it may be more of something that we want to allow to happen to us rather than an action that we ourselves take. Here's what Roger Raymer says about it. He says, the command, humble yourselves, could be translated, allow yourselves to be humbled. Rather than you taking the action to humble yourself, allow yourself to be humbled. He goes on to say, those who were suffering persecution for Christ's sake could be encouraged by the fact that the same mighty hand that allowed them to suffer would one day exalt them, would one day lift them up. So when we accept the humbling of God in our lives, whatever that may look like, it could look like persecution, it could look like loss of uh, of something. it's, It's meant and designed to draw us closer to God. And when we humble ourselves before God and understand that, Scripture says, He will lift us up. He will exalt us. But He can't exalt us unless we understand who he is, and the fact that he is in control of all things in our lives. The key here is that Peter wants us to understand and remember the sovereign creator of the universe is the one that allows suffering and or persecution in our lives, and he is also the one who will remove that persecution or raise us up as we trust in him and wait upon him. What what does Isaiah say about those who wait upon him? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. When God raises you up, you are in the place God wants you to be, operating under his strength and his authority and representing him where he sends you. Wait on him. What does it mean when Peter says he may exalt you in due time? Well, in the context of 1 Peter, it seems like Peter is saying that when in God's perfect timing, when we have waited on him, when we have allowed him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives, using that specific thing in our lives, he will exalt us. He will raise us up. Now, that doesn't mean you, your, your name is going to be in lights. You're going to be on the marquee in Broadway. It doesn't mean that. That's, that's the mindset that we have sometimes as humans, that when we're raised up or we're exalted, we get the glory and we get the credit. That's not the way it is in God's sphere of what he works in. 
When we are raised up, you know what we are raised up for? We are raised up to give God the glory, to point the limelight to God, to say, no, it's, it's not about me. It's about my Savior. It's about God. And, and, and you and I need to take advantage of those opportunities. I do love it from time to time when you listen to people being interviewed, whether it's... I, I, I'm not even going to use the sports world. Remember, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe, there was this uh, thing in the, in the news about this pilot, this airplane pilot, who passed out. And some, one of the passengers, it was a small plane, gets on. He says, hey, I think we have a situation here. Uh, the pilot of this plane, he, he can't do anything. He's passed out. What are we going to do? And, and so the air traffic controller starts to talk him through it and This guy had no experience flying an airplane, and yet he landed through the help of the air traffic controller, and he'll tell you a little bit later himself, he landed the plane perfectly. No damage, no loss. And so uh, they were interviewing him on the news, and and Savannah said, um, Savannah Guthrie says, because you were on the plane, this plane landed safely. And he quickly said, no, because God helped me land the plane, something to that effect, little paraphrase there. But he gave credit to God. It was clear that he was pointing the attention, the glory, not to himself. He wasn't absorbing it and saying, yeah, look at what I did. He was saying, no, no, no. It was about what God did through me. And as the children of God, that's what we need to do. As we humble ourselves before God, we want to point others to God. We want to exalt. When he exalts us, we want to make sure he gets the credit. And you know what? In the end, the day we stand before Jesus Christ at that judgment seat, and he gives us whatever rewards we have obtained while we've served him here on this earth, we're not keeping those rewards. We're giving them back to him. We're casting them at his feet. He is going to get the glory in all that we have done if we've done it for the right reasons. So that's the reason, my friends, we want to humble ourselves, and the result is that God is glorified in our lives. What a great blessing, and and it gives us amazing confidence to understand by trusting the mighty hand of God, he will do what needs to be done in our lives. Well, verse seven, it's a very popular verse. We, We know it well. Peter writes, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Uh, You know, you and I, we want to make sure that we are not trying to take the burdens that we have in our lives and in our world. We want to let those burdens be rested upon our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had this pulled up for last week, Ben. Um, I had a little video that I wanted to show last week. We didn't get to it, so that link is there. If you can help Timothy find that. Um, what does it mean when Peter says that we're supposed to cast all our cares upon our great heavenly father. In fact, let's pause just for a moment. We've already prayed for Uvalde, Texas. That is a care that we as a nation bear. Are there cares this morning that you have that you would like us as a church family to bear before the throne of God this morning? Any cares that we can cast upon our great God? Scott?
Okay, so there's a care, Kelly's grandma. What's her name? Dara. Dara. Okay. Okay. Um, and then also, let's tag on to that prayer request. Talked to Carol last night. She's going up to care for her um, quite a bit. So there's that aspect as well. I asked her where she, and you know, I said, hey, we miss you. And she says, yeah, I've been taking care of my mom. Um, so Carol is also involved in that. So we want to pray for Kelly's grandma. Who wants to do that for us this morning? You know how this works. If I don't get a, if I don't get a, uh, Cindy, go ahead. Um, if I don't get a volunteer, you get volunteered. All right. So, um, in fact, let's do that right now. We'll we'll pray for the requests as they come in. Go ahead, Cindy, and pray for that, please. Daryl, to you, and we pray uh, for healing for her, and that you would provide people to be able to care for her during the time that that this healing um, occurs. And we thank you, Father, that she is a fellow believer in Christ and a sister in the Lord. And we just thank you for her prayers, for the family and the loved ones that she prays for. And we pray, Father, for her, that you would strengthen her, you would strengthen her body, and that you would give her peace, and you would grant peace to those who care about her that they would understand that she is in your hand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Another care that we can cast upon the throne of our great God this morning. Cindy. Okay, remember Nick is, or Ryan is Nick's son. Uh, his wife passed away very unexpectedly, leaving Ryan and a daughter, Ella. Uh, four years old. Ella is four years old. So um, we have somebody who would like to pray for Ryan and Ella. Dawn, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Please hold these two children close to your heart. Give them the strength to know that as they trust in you, they will grow in strength. Have them look to others who have lost parents when they were young as well to give them strength and encourage them to let them know that they can make it and that love abounds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as you're thinking of other cares that we can cast upon uh, the throne of our great God, I'm going to share one, and I, I think I can do this because it's on Facebook, so I'm going to go ahead and share it. Uh, Rick has been uh, asking for prayer with regard to um, his uh, ongoing situation with Robin's passing and the grieving and just the sorrow he still uh, struggles with and battles with. Um, and so we have somebody who would like to pray for Rick as he... Okay, Ben, thank you for that. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, uh, for Rick and just for the growth that you've been working out in him recently. And 
Father, so often we, we grow closer to you in these times when we're struggling and when we, we find ourselves face-to-face with a situation that's more than we can bear alone. We just pray that you would help Rick to, to lean into your strength and into your encouragement, both in your word and in his uh, family of believers around him who are all praying for him and supporting him. And Father, we just pray that we as a church body would be able to be your hands and feet as we encourage and just lift up and support Rick through this season of, of hardship and grief and that we, he would find uh, peace and joy again uh, on the other side through your strength. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Any others that we can pray for this morning, cares that we might have? Um, my sister in Buffalo has a friend who had a baby recently, and I don't know all the details of it, but at 12 weeks she was told that she had to abort him because he was not going to make it, and he's fighting for his life right now, but he's alive. He's on life support. He's had to have one surgery already on his um, intestines. Um, they said, I can't remember all the details, but his heart is missing two of the chambers. His, he's got ribs that are fused together. And he's just, his parents are hoping for a miracle because they chose life and they, they're thankful for every minute that they have with him at least. But they're obviously, they're hoping that God will give them a miracle and let him live. Okay. Uh, Lauren's sister's friend, a uh, baby that was born uh, prematurely and is in need of significant prayer on life support heart issues and other complications. Somebody want to pray for that? Barry, thank you. Lord, we ask that you be with this family of Lauren's friends, our sister's friends, baby. Because it's a situation like this takes in the whole family. But they all have to look to you, Lord, for the strength that comes from you, of course. And your will will be done in this baby's life. And you'll give them the strength to go through anything if they keep their eyes upon you. And your will will be done in this situation. Your son's name, amen. Amen. Let me share another one with you. We've been praying as a church for a, a guy by the name of Victor, uh, Scott's friend who's in prison in Pennsylvania. Uh, while he was in prison, Victor came to know Christ as his Savior uh, and has been one of those situations where he's turned his world upside down for the cause of Christ. Uh, So much so that as a result, he will be discharged from prison coming June, right? End of June? July 22nd, 22nd, end of July. So he is over the moon ecstatic about that. But you can imagine all of the complications, all of the challenges, all of the things that are going to uh, come his way. He's, he's got lots of cares. He might not be expressing them necessarily. Praise the Lord, he has a job uh, lined up and he has a place to stay. But he's going to have to be on parole in Pennsylvania for the most part. He will have the opportunity to come to New York as his job requires and as he has opportunity to visit uh, friends and family. Uh, So we want to continue to pray for Vic and the concerns and cares that he might have in the days ahead. Who would like to pray for Victor this morning? Joseph?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, uh, to pray to you and to, um, to ask you, Lord. We um, ask you today that you'll be with Victor and um, uh, just all the decisions and everything he has coming forward. And um, even after he uh, is released, that you'll be with him to help him to make the right decisions and help him to um, not to stray from your path and to continue to uh, progress and move in a, a steady direction towards you, Lord. We pray that you will um, be with him and you'll have your hand on him and your spirit to guide him through and to uh, help him to avoid the temptations and the things that he uh, might not have had experience and uh, a chance to deal with in prison, that you'll help him to just continue to strive towards you and strive to uh, to love you and to grow closer to you in everything that he does. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Any others? Don't want to cut you off, but if you, if there, we don't want to drag it out either. Any other cares and concerns that we can cast at the throne of our great God? You know, the writer of Hebrews says, let us enter the throne room of grace boldly, confidently. It goes along with this idea of casting all of our cares upon our great God. You know, we've done that this morning. We've casted some cares upon our great God. And and the way that he will answer these requests is totally up to him. But we can be confident that he will answer them in the best possible way. So, when we cast our cares upon him, like we've done this morning, something that we often do is we pick them back up and try to figure out how we can deal with them. That's not what it means to cast your cares upon God. There's something that happens um, in the animal world that is a great reminder of what it is to cast your cares upon someone or something. Timothy, go ahead. We're going to start at 1 minute 20 in this video, and we're only going to play it for 20 seconds. But casting your cares upon someone or something looks a lot like this. If you will play that for us, Timothy, please. Might need a minute to get it up to that 120. There it is. I muted the sound, by the way, because I didn't like the song. Ever see this happen in your house or in your world? Dog gets wet. He's got water all over his body. And so what is he doing? He's, he's trying to get rid of it, right? He doesn't want that on his body. We actually use water as a, a tool in our dog's life to help them calm down a little bit. They get going, they'll get barking, they'll get going kind of crazy, kind of nuts, and we use a squirt bottle and we squirt them. It calms them down, and as soon as we squirt them, that's exactly what they do. They start shaking, they, they try to get rid of it. As, as best they can, as much as they can. And they don't want it. They want it off their body. The dog is trying to get rid of all the water that's on its body. And, and you know what? Studies have suggested that when a dog is fully wet and they do that, they're able to rid themselves of about 70% of the water that's on their body. They're casting it off. They're getting rid of it. When you and I cast our cares, we cast our concerns upon our great God, you know what we're doing? We're getting rid of it. The dog wants nothing to do with that water. 
You and I, we should want nothing further to do with the concerns and the cares that we have in our life once we've cast it upon our great God. We, you know, we sing this song, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. If we trust and never doubt, he will surely bring us out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Cast your cares upon the one great God. Peter was writing to people who were suffering persecution. They were, in the, they were having a rough life. And Peter says, cast your cares. You know what their cares were, the persecutions that they were enduring. Cast your cares upon him. What are the cares that we have in this world? Well, it's discontentment. It's discouragement. It's despair. It's all those questions that nag at us and we don't have answers to. It's pain. It's suffering. It's the trials in life that we encounter. Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord. The things that weigh us down. Have you ever tried to pick up your dog after you've given him a bath? They're heavy, aren't they? We, I, I, we don't give our dogs baths very often. Thankfully, they don't need it. Um, but after I give our dogs a bath, I expect to get just as wet almost as they do. Um, I pick them up, wrap them in a towel, pick them up, and take them outside so they can do their shaking stuff outside. Okay, They're heavier when they're full of wet and water. You and I... When we have the cares of life, our hearts are heavy. Our hearts are weighed down. We are burdened. We want to get rid of it. Like a dog gets rid of the water after a bath. You and I need to get rid of those cares that are weighing us down by casting them on our great God. When we attended uh, BBC back in the day, we had this uh, thing every Tuesday after chapel. It was called Communications Hour, okay? And, and, you know, as students, you kind of make fun of things that you're really not too uh, excited or enthusiastic about. Well, you know, Communications Hour was that time when the, the faculty, uh, especially uh, Friedi Locher was the dean of students, and he would communicate to us things that needed to be communicated to us during that Communications Hour. Um, but you know what? Every time, Freedy would come bounding out on stage. He, he never walked with his head down. He never walked disengaged. He always was enthusiastic. He was bounding out on stage, and he would introduce the thing that everybody knew we were going to do. Would you stand with me, please? And we're going to sing um, all your anxieties, all your cares. Let's, let's stand together as we sing that song. And everybody's like, oh, not again. That song, we sing it every week. We don't need to sing it again. It must have been his favorite. But you know what? It served as a reminder to us as college students who had lots of things going on in life. Perhaps we were getting ready to go take a big test in a particular class. And we were worried, we were concerned. Did I prepare enough for the exam? Am I going to pass the exam? Uh, I had a concern one time and I went into Doc Carter's office and I said, Doc Carter, I think I'm failing your class. Because with Doc Carter, you knew. He gave you this, this rubric that you know, a test is worth this much, a quiz is worth this much, a field trip is worth this much. You knew where you stood in his class at any given day. And he says, uh, have you done all your work? Yes, Doc Carter, I've done all my work. Have you done all your papers? Yes, I've done all my papers. Um, I, 
and, and what's your average? And I told him what the average was, and he says, oh, that doesn't look so good. I said, no, it doesn't. And, you know, um, I was, I'd never failed a class in my life until I took World Civ, and I'm thinking, oh, no, all this money, what am I going to do? And this is Thanksgiving, just before Thanksgiving break, and I said, I said, I, I, I got to figure this out, Doc Hart, what am I going to do? And he says, Tim, he said, are you learning anything in my class? And I said, oh, yeah, tons. And you couldn't take a class with Doc Carter and not learn stuff. Tons, tons, tons. He says, well, that's what's important. I said, can you tell my mom that? You see, she was paying the bill. And although the bill was much less then than it is now, it was a lot of money for us. I was worried about it. Casting all your cares upon him, all your anxieties, all your cares, bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. We sang it every Tuesday. And Dr. Freedy Losher, he was an encouraging individual. And he reminded us that we need to take our cares to the mercy seat. We need to bring the burdens of our hearts into the very presence, the very throne room of God, and leave them there. As a child of God, we can cast all our cares on the one Jesus Christ, who is our burden bearer, who is our burden lifter, if you will. That's where we cast our cares. We cast them on Christ. The song reminded us that Jesus is always available to relieve us of our cares. It doesn't matter what the cares are. He wants us to understand that whatever our burdens are, whatever things we are carrying with us, we can take our burdens to the Lord and leave it there. So we have these this idea of casting. Casting what? Casting our cares. And where do our cares get cast? They're cast onto the one who loves us so much that he died for us on the cross of Calvary. If he can die for us, and he did die for us, he certainly is willing to take our cares upon himself. We cast our cares upon our great Savior. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. What great comfort we have knowing that we can take every burden, every care, every concern to the Creator, to the all-powerful, one true God, and we can leave them there. We don't have to pick them up and take them back with us once we say amen. Somebody shared with me this morning that God encouraged them to leave a great burden that they have on their heart right there at the mercy seat and let God deal with it in his time and in his way because he's all wise, he's all powerful, and he never, ever, ever, ever makes a mistake. Praise God that he is wanting us to cast our cares upon him. Peter calls us to humility. It's very much in line with the tenor of his book. But he gets close, as he gets close to the end of the book, his call to submission and humility is tied to the promise and the power of God to be at work in the life of his children. Those who submit to the ways of God, to the ways that Jesus modeled for us, we understand, we know that we will indeed be blessed. When we allow God to work in our lives, 
He will lift us up. He will exalt us through the sufferings and the trials of life sometimes even. But through those difficulties, when life is hard, it's important for us to remember we have a place to cast our burdens, our cares, and our concerns. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you to bow your heart and your head with me this morning. And we're going to talk with our great God. And we're going to, again, have another opportunity. Maybe there were some cares or concerns or some burdens that you didn't feel like you could share publicly this morning. But you know that you can share them with God in prayer. So we're just going to have a moment of of silence, a moment of prayer, where you can take those burdens and take those cares to the mercy seat and trust God for how he will work it out. And then I will close our sermon in prayer this morning. Our great God in heaven, we come before you again this morning, thanking you that you don't get tired of hearing us pray. We've done that a lot this morning. We've talked to you several times throughout our service this morning. We're so thankful that you are a God who hears the requests that we bring before you. Not only do you hear those requests, Father, but you act upon those requests. We are confident that when we cast our cares upon you, you will indeed excuse me, relieve us of those cares and those concerns that we have in our lives. Uh, It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy and without problems, without difficulties. In fact, we know that that's not true. We know that as Peter was writing to these uh, first century readers, he uh, he was writing to people who were in the heat of persecution. They were wondering why in the world these things are happening to us. We love God. We follow God. We do what God wants us to do. And yet we're suffering So, Father, it's not about people being free from the cares of this world in the sense that we won't have them, but it's about being free from the cares of this world because we've taken those cares and we've cast them at your feet. We've thrown them to you. We've gotten rid of them in our life. We're not letting them stress us out. We're not letting letting them drag us down. Boy, if we think about that stat about dogs getting rid of 70% of the water as they cast it off, wouldn't it be great if we could get rid of just 70% of the concerns that we have in this world and in in our lives today? Our lives would be so much better off. The truth is, though, Father, you'll take 100% of those concerns that we have. And so we're so thankful that you are a God who loves us. You're a God who wants what is best for us. But you're also the all-powerful God, the creator of this world. We look about and we see your display of your handiwork and the power that was demonstrated in bringing it all into existence. Father, our lives are very simple compared to that. And whatever our cares are, whatever our concerns are, you are willing to receive them as we cast them to you. You're willing to deal with them. Father, help us to leave them in your very, very capable, all-powerful hands. The many things that we've prayed about this morning, we want to uh, 
leave them with you. But if, Father, there is something you want us to do specifically, either as a church or as an individual, to help uh, others have their cares relieved, we are willing and we are ready. And, and by your grace and by your strength, we will be able to help in those cares that need to be cared for. So as your hands and feet, if you will, in this world today, uh, allow us to be instruments that you will use to care for others and the burdens they face today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.